Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Jason Creekmore and Shannon Deaton. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we are talking about restaurants. Sitting across from me is the only man I know who could go to McDonald's, order a Whopper, and get it. And that would be Shannon D. <laughs> Shannon, do you like to eat, man? I, I try to eat at least once a day when I can. You know, it's it's important. I, I make it a priority. What about you? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, 12, 13 times a day. Yeah, sure. that's, that's pretty good there. <laughs> Shannon, food brings people together. Uh, and it's not a coincidence that of all of the surveys that we have had on our podcast, this is the one with the most participants. That's right. Yep. People are passionate about what they eat. And because people eat a lot, <laughs> they eat a lot. According to the National Restaurant Association, the restaurant industry generated $863 billion in 2019. Experts believe that it will hit the $1 trillion mark by 2021, and restaurant revenues have almost quadrupled since 1990. In 1955, 25 cents of every dollar spent on food was spent at restaurants. Today, 51 cents of every dollar is spent at restaurants. That's a crazy statistic. Yeah, I mean, but when, when you think about that, that does make sense. I mean, because you go to the grocery, you spend 50, 60 bucks, you get a few things, right? Yeah. It, it could last a few days, depending on you know what you get. But if you go to a restaurant with family, that's kind of one time out. Sure. But you spent the same amount of money. Yeah. But people go to the restaurants a lot. They do. <laughs> and and uh, we have a bad habit, my family, of buying the groceries and, and saying, well, we're not going to eat out. We're just going to eat these groceries and then eating out anyway. So you end up spending double the amount of money and then buying the groceries and, and then, eating out anyway. And then sometimes the groceries even go bad. And they go bad, right? They go <laughs> out right. of date. Yeah. yeah. There are 15.3 million restaurant workers in America. And if they were to all live in one state, it would be the fifth largest state in the United States of America. We need to make that happen. <laughs> Let's get on the phone. We're going to call and, and call up McDonald's, Burger King, all the places. You know, bring them together. Employees, un- <laughs> employees unite. That's right. They can start their own government. Uh, in terms of a historical timeline in restaurant development, uh, obviously there were some restaurants in the 1920s, but the stock market crash of 1929 led to the Great Depression during the 1930s. Uh, naturally, this was a very difficult time for the restaurant industry. During this time, several penny restaurants emerged, particularly in large cities like New York and Chicago, where literally every item on the menu was one penny. So if you went in and you got a bowl of soup and a piece of bread and some water, uh, it was three cents. That would be your your bill. And I had never really heard of such a thing, but those were fairly common in in larger cities during the Great Depression. Penny, Penny restaurants. Huh. No, I didn't know about that. Yeah, pretty cool. During the 1940s, restaurants made a comeback as the economy improved and the 1950s saw the rise of fast foods uh, like Wendy's, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Burger King, and good old Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, yeah. Started right here. Yeah, not, not just, just a few miles down the road. So all those restaurants were founded in the 50s. During the 1960s and 1970s, the restaurant industry continued to grow. But in the 1980s, the industry changed a little. As a result of the increase of females entering the workforce, uh, families had more disposable income, but less time at home to prepare meals. So naturally, there was a boom in casual family dining, and restaurants like Applebee's, Olive Garden, and Outback emerged all in the 1980s. Uh, This trend has continued, and although restaurant revenues uh, are at an all-time high, restaurant closures are also at an all-time high. 
It's really simple economics. There is certainly a, a demand there, but the supply is simply higher. Another issue is that even though revenues are up, they are not as high as they could be due to the advent of Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub. These food delivery services, while convenient for the consumer, eliminate drink orders and potential appetizers and desserts the restaurants would have otherwise sold. So have you ever used any of the Uber Eats or any of those type of applications? I, I was tempted to once. I was in a hotel. We were on a, a work trip. And for whatever reason, everything in the entire town seemed to be closed down. So I was in the hotel room. I tried to call Uber Eats, or I, actually, I think I used the app. And uh, for whatever reason, I just could not get it to work. I ended up not doing that. I ended up, I think, walking half a mile to uh, like find a Five Guys. <laughs> so that was open pretty late. <laughs> Uber did not eat. <laughs> Uber didn't eat. Shannon didn't eat either. Uh, ha- have you ever used any of those? I, I have not. No, I've, I've used Uber, uh, but I've not used Uber Eats or any of the other yeah. Do you, do you trust those? I mean, I would. Yeah. I mean, I know there's always that sense of, I mean, how do I really know what's just been <laughs> right. done to my food you right. know, as they're delivering it to me? I mean, I probably would use it. Sure. Uh, it's probably really no different than pizza I yeah, mean, you're right. when you think about it, but it does seem different somehow. I don't know. Like when you get a whole pizza delivered, that just seems more at ease with me right. for some reason. But when you have like a, <laughs> like a, a sandwich of, and fries yeah. and coleslaw and different things, you're like, there's so many things that could have went wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And, and technically, Bob, that ran out and went through the drive-thru to, you know, pick up your Big Mac. Maybe he wanted a little Bob bite, of, a, the, he <laughs> bite may, of the Big Mac that he, night. I don't know. He may have got a little sample. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, Shannon, we asked our Slapdash listeners to weigh in on their favorite restaurants. So, can you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah. So, we chose 20 restaurants from a variety of food categories. We created a survey for our listeners, deployed the survey on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The results started to come in. And, Jason, we received uh, over 480 total votes after everyone cast their ballots, and that was that's been our largest one yet. We've done this a couple times with the movies. We had a voting on the top 10 most influential horror movies. We also did this recently with the top 20 professional wrestlers. People are, are really into their restaurants, man. And we had a huge response here. Yeah, people love to vote. Uh, just this past week, I had several people come up and say, uh, you know, hey, who was number one? Or, you know, here are three or four that maybe you should have added to that list. And people, oh, yeah. again, people are pretty passionate about their favorite restaurants. So I know there were some uh, others receiving votes that we didn't actually put on that 20 voting list per uh-huh. se. But we want to make sure to give a shout out to all those people that took the time to to vote so uh we do people are so passionate that 20 restaurants could not contain their passion for everything that they wanted to <laughs> that's to, right. to say we about need more, the food industry we need more room <laughs> they did so i'm just going to read through the list here I, I think i'm familiar with just about all these some of them are national brands some are local so we have red lobster it was almost on the list we had it on there and we kind of rotated it out because we were looking to maybe add maybe a mexican place I think or so. another pizza just place have a little more diversity or something. and yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have Snappy Tomato Pizza, Wawing Gardens, El Dorado, Penn Station, Frisch's, White Castle. White Castle probably should have been Probably, yeah. Yeah, I thought about putting it on there. Now, I hadn't heard of this one. You have uh, Slim Chickens. Slim Chickens. <laughs> yeah, there's actually one that just opened up in uh, Somerset, Kentucky, which is just okay. about 30 miles north of where I uh, I live, and I was actually up there today. My youngest daughter had an academic uh, match, and so we drove up and down the, the road. And there's about a four mile stretch from like the north end of the town to the south end of the town. Right. And in that four mile stretch, I counted 48 restaurants that I personally saw. I'm sure I missed two or three. So if you want to do the math on that, that's, I do. That, that's one about every <laughs> uh, 150 yards. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, and Slim Chickens is one of those. And I think you could go just about anywhere around here locally and probably find that same statistic. At least when you find the restaurants, they seem to all be together. Oh, yeah. 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 So going on down the list, we have Rafferty's as an honorable mention, Rooster's, Malone's of Lexington, which I personally love. I didn't put it on the list because it's kind of more of a local attraction, but man, I love Malone's. I I have a friend, uh, I'm sure that was uh, he and his wife that, that put Malone's. My wife likes it too. Yeah, it's good stuff. Popeye's Pizza House in Pinot. Do you know anything about Pizza House? I do know Pizza House in Pinot. Uh, and in honor of that vote, that is what I'm going to have for dinner on my way home. <laughs> All right. Good deal. We have Fazoli's, Zaxby's, Cheddar's, Sonny's Barbecue, which, man, I've had a craving like for, for the last yeah, little while. They have very good cornbread. Yeah. In honor of that, I'm going to eat it this week. All there, right. There's going to be some Sonny's Barbecue in this house. Burger King and Golden Corral. There you go. So that's our list. Let's go ahead and hop into the top 20 restaurants as voted by our listeners. Number 20, Chipotle. The first Chipotle, Jason, was started in an abandoned ice cream shop in Colorado. Just as I knew it all along. <laughs> yeah, you had a suspicion, I yeah. think, that this was the case. Now, Chipotle, famously in my house, has been called Chipotle. Chipotle, you know, just just various uh, different names. They teach their own. <laughs> That's right. Another interesting fact about Chipotle is that McDonald's uh, invested in Chipotle and helped take it national. So for a little while, they were the largest stockholder in Chipotle. But by 2006, they just completely divested. So they have no ownership mm-hmm. in it anymore. But at least in the early days, uh, perhaps in the ice cream shop days, wow. they were a big investor. It, it could have been McPolte. <laughs> It could have. Absolutely. I've, I've never, I, th- I think actually I've been there one time uh, and I've, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that type of food. Yeah. Uh, my wife likes it. I actually asked her on the way over here tonight. I said, Hey, you know, what 10 did you vote for? Right. I said, did you vote for Chipotle? And she was like, <laughs> uh, you better believe I voted for Chipotle. You know, she, she was a big Chipotle yeah. lover. And, and the thing about Chipotle is they just take all the food and stick it in just this huge tortilla wrap. Just, you know, whatever you like, just throw it in Here's some chicken, here's some beef, here's some guacamole you know and, and just wrap it up and you're you're good to go and people like that i've been there a few times i i gotta say i'm not a huge fan of the restaurants where you have to sort of point and name what you want right. in the thing too much work it's too much work i'm more of a give me a number one with a large coke kind of guy <laughs> number 19 long john silvers shannon long john silvers was one of the two restaurants that, that I ate at like all the time when I was in middle school, like from like probably fifth, sixth grade up until I was in eighth grade. Uh, my grandparents, they owned a furniture store uh, where I lived and the, he would close uh, the store half days on Thursdays. So literally every Thursday of the world, he would come and sign me out of school. Today, I don't think that's probably it would be possible on, on the attendance laws. <laughs> right. But I missed a half a day of school pretty much. Like Just every, to go to Long John's. Every Thursday, you know, we would go and he would always buy us like some kind of a sports t-shirt or tennis shoes or something. But then, yeah, we would always eat at either Least Famous Recipe yep. or Long John's. Right. And I liked old school Long John's. I liked where you're walking on a bridge and you're on a rope. and oh, you're like I forgot in, about that. You're like you're in a 19th century they used to do boat. that. Yeah. yeah, it's like you were I in forgot. a boat. That's the the kind of uh, Long John's that, that I like. Uh, love the Hush Puppies and absolutely love the Pirate Hat. 
<laughs> the paper pi- pi- pirate hat is is worth the go. Oh, absolutely. Now, do you, do you remember? Well, I'm, I'm sure you do. Inside of the box, they always had these uh, breaded crispings and everything. You mean crunchies? Oh, I I must. Yeah. Is that <laughs> is that the official name? Well, it's either crunchies or crumbs because uh, usually when I go through the drive thru, I always forget to, what to call it, and when I order that, they kind of ridicule me. Like as if I say crumbs, they'll say, "Oh, do you mean crunchies, sir? sir? Come on, listen. <laughs> yeah, fried grease is what I'm talking. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Put that in my box. Put that in the box. That's that's what we need. No, my my mom would always go and just order those, and I think in our hometown she would order crispings. I think is what she called oh, them. So okay. it maybe a local thing. I don't know if there's a real name. Yeah. Maybe it is crumbs or, or crispies or we, we need to find <laughs> or out crunchies. It could be. Cr- I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, we got. But they're good. They are. They are. Now, Jason Long John Silvers almost wasn't named Long John Silvers. Uh, famously, it's based on the villain Long John Silver. You know, from the novel Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. They experimented with a few other maritime themed names, such as Limeys and Barnacle Bills. So I like Barnacle Bill. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I could eat a uh, some crunchies for Barnacle yeah. Bill. Right? <laughs> T- ten inch piece of chicken from there sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Number eighteen, Domino's. So in 2009, customers uh, of Domino's discovered a free pizza promotional code that had been created but never publicized. Uh, And Jason, news of that code went viral around here, actually, in southern Ohio and northern Kentucky. And 11,000 free pizzas were redeemed before Domino's figured it out and shut it down, if you can believe it. Now, now did one of those go to your house? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny (laughs) That no, I did not take advantage of that, but I I did hear about that. That's that's a really that's a really cool story. Yeah, that's amazing to me because they they honored all of that. Obviously, yeah. you know, whoever put the promotional code in, they sent them a pizza. Somebody showed up, knocked on their door, and said, "Here you go." <laughs> the next person, and the next 000. person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. So, uh, is Domino's very popular in your house? Oh yeah, we eat Domino's yeah, probably a couple times a month. Uh, of all the takeout type of, of uh, pizza, Domino's is probably my favorite, followed closely by Papa John's. But I'm I'm a I'm a pretty big Domino's guy. I like it. Yeah, we we use it exclusively for the the delivery service. It's one of the few yeah. things here in this area that actually delivers. Yeah. So if it's kind of a cold, wet, rainy day, and we just don't want to go outside, yeah, we'll call in a Domino's. It's it's a pretty common thing around here. Number 17, Panda Express. Shannon, Panda Express is one of my wife's favorite. Uh, But it's one of these restaurants, again, not my cup of tea. So when we go out to eat, uh, Mindy and Maylee will go to Panda Express. And then uh, Kennedy and I will go somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) I've not been a big fan of Panda Express. But, again, it's weird because my wife loved it for a time. Like, we ate it so much that she eventually kind of got tired of it. Oh, really? But for a while, it was she would go to Panda Express. I would go across the road somewhere else. So that was that was pretty common. In terms of like what we would actually order, we would usually when I did eat there, we would get the orange chicken. And Jason, chicken shouldn't be orange. <laughs> no, it should not. <laughs> In my opinion. It should just be chicken. Chicken should be chicken, right? <laughs> but here's something interesting. Panda Express sells nearly 70 million pounds of orange chicken per year. And I looked this up to kind of get a, a metric to find out, you know, how much is 70 million pounds? That's roughly half the weight of the Washington Monument. So if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., and you just see this skyscraper of a monument pointing toward the sky, if you can imagine half of it filled with orange chicken, 
that's about how much they sell in a year. So they're really putting it away. You know, Shannon, Express. Shannon, uh, we have been to the Washington Monument, uh, the, the, the the two of us, a couple times. Yeah, you know, and looked times. at that. So the next time we go, we need to just I can't you know, unsee it. Kind of kind of Photoshop some chicken in there. Right? <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Number sixteen, Subway. So here's something that's interesting. Each year, Subway uses 16 acres of leafy green lettuce in their subs. So if you were trying to figure out exactly how much lettuce goes into a Subway sandwich, well, it's somewhere to the tune of 16 acres across all of their various locations. And I found it odd that or interesting that they use the metric of acres <laughs> instead of pounds, you know, or, or some other amount. They, they're literally... Uh, measuring this in land mass, which I guess is appropriate for lettuce, but still <laughs> kind of interesting. That's still kind of cool. I don't eat anything green unless it's Jello. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so Panda Express is rolling out their green chicken next uh, green next chicken. month. Uh, yeah. Does that not interest you at all? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, I may call Domino's. I guess. Maybe yeah. That night. Here, here's something interesting too. Uh, you know, in terms of like silly crimes and things that have happened in a subway specifically. In 2015, an American man decided he was going to rob a subway and then thought the best use of the money that he took was to buy a potbelly sandwich at the same place on the same day. So he came in, he robbed the place, he left, he came back, used that money to buy a sandwich, and, of course, they arrested him. <laughs> so you can't make it up, man. Just it, good stuff. would have been a lot easier just to ask for like a, like a free <laughs> gift card or something, yeah, right? Or just he didn't have to just, rob the just place. Just a free sandwich. You know, if he wanted a sandwich, just, just come in and ask for the sandwich, right? Probably, <laughs> probably less uh, jail time for that. That's, I would imagine, I would imagine yeah. yeah. Number 15, Olive Garden. Shannon, I love Olive Garden. Olive Garden was definitely on my top 10. I basically evaluate restaurants not like most people. I, I eat very little meat. Uh, so I evaluate restaurants on their potato products, <laughs> uh, bread, and maybe right. milkshakes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, I do I do exercise quite a bit. Right. I'm not the best. You know, I hear you and, bragging over there. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I do exercise some, but I am not the best eater in the world. I, okay. I'm, not, I'm not the picture of health in regard to what I eat. Um, so I hear bread, potatoes. What else? That's about it. Oh, right that's there. it. Okay. Yeah, and, and and one Flintstone vitamin a day. That's kind of what I do. But Olive Garden, I love their breadsticks, uh, and I love the little Andy's mints. And of course, and that's that's a place where my entire family likes. So yeah. when we go there, I mean, maybe once every couple of months, we go to like to Lexington or Knoxville or somewhere like that. But uh, we we go to Olive Garden, you know, fairly often. Have you ever heard of their never ending pasta deal? I have. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So for $100, customers can purchase a never-ending pasta deal, and that pass allows customers to eat as much pasta as they want in an eight-week period. My question is, how much pasta does a person want in an eight-week period? Do you, do you have any kind of metric for that <laughs> we're, or we're, background experience? We're fixing to find out. <laughs> well, just just so we asked, uh, one man ate more than $1,500 worth of pasta with his pass. So it's a $100 pass. He got $1,500 dollars worth of value out of it he he's a man who likes his pasta jason man that's a lot of pasta yeah <laughs> it, it's crazy now only a few of these passes can be purchased each year now twenty two thousand were sold last year and this is a, just amazing to me they're sold online and they sell out all twenty two thousand passes in less than a second when they go online in less than a second so yeah. just people are just there waiting instantly oh, just yeah. to click the, Post, mo- the pasta moment loving fools man <laughs> They gotta have it. I thought I liked pasta. <laughs> Apparently not. Number fourteen, Dairy Queen. 
So I've been Dairy Queen a few times, and I think you have even more experiences at Dairy Queen. Now, I've only had experiences on one side of the counter, but Jason, have you ever been on the other side of a Dairy Queen counter? I, I have. I have been on both sides of the Dairy Queen counter. Uh, I worked at Dairy Queen. That was my first job, I guess, when I was uh, 16 years old. Really enjoyed that. I was later, uh, I worked hard and I was promoted to Arby's a little bit later on. <laughs> <laughs> was it direct promotion? They just at Dairy Queen, they're like, we've done all it we was, can for it. And they just, just send you across the, the road. Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the same folks, uh, the wonderful family, God love them. They, they let me work at Dairy Queen. Then the next summer I worked at Arby's. Oh, cool. And I was really looking forward to like working in the back at Arby's with the food. I didn't really want to take the orders. Sure. But when I started working at Arby's that following summer, I was 17. And you had to be 18 to be around, I guess, the meat slicer or whatever. Oh, for good reason. So, Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, so I was uh, I was up front in, in, instead of the back. But uh, I really like Dairy Queen. To me, Dairy Queen does everything well. I mean, they have – my kids love their uh, chicken tenders. Uh, they have good – really good breakfast. Of course, their blizzard is probably what they're most well-known for. Uh, Dairy Queen's – I mean, it's definitely my top ten. I, I like it. I especially like their dessert. And, Jason, did you ever get an opportunity to, uh, you know, guard the soft-serve recipe? Because apparently it's in a lockbox at one of these Dairy Queen locations. <laughs> I, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was reported uh, a few years ago by one of their chief executives that there is a recipe uh, for their soft-serve ice cream – and it's highly guarded, and apparently they keep it in a safe deposit box, and there are only a few keys to it. So I thought maybe you would have been entrusted to that back in your youth. So <laughs> nope. no deal. I don't think so, no. <laughs> I swept the parking lots. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Quite a bit. Number 13, KFC. Kentucky Fried Chicken, of course, you mentioned uh, earlier, Shannon, uh, the creation of that just a few miles away. Oh, man. And, uh, that's where it all started. That's where it all started in, in Corbin, Kentucky. Uh, KFC is obviously a, a worldwide company. You've heard me say before, I have a couple of exchange students that are living with us right now, Lara and Maud. And uh, KFC are, is in both of their countries. And so when they came here, they wanted – they had always heard, well, this must be where KFC started in Kentucky, right? Right. And then when I told them, well, it, it really, really started just a few miles from here. So they wanted to go see that. So that was one of the first things that uh, we did uh, when, when they came here. So it was really cool. Again, I love potato products. They have a few there. Uh, they do. And I love the mashed potatoes and gravy. And I love the biscuits. And, and I am going to go on record as saying that they have underrated butter. KFC has good, smooth, cold butter on those biscuits. I really like KFC. So, Jason, you know Colonel Harlan Sanders was the originator of KFC. Right. And the white suit is very iconic. You see it in a lot of the commercials. Now, that trademark white suit that Harlan Sanders wore was purchased at an auction by the president of KFC Japan for $21,510, which to me doesn't sound like a whole lot to have the actual iconic you know, suit that, that he wore. But that $21,000, if you want to convert it into chicken bucket currency, that's a 2,510 piece chicken buckets. Is there what they you go. All right. <laughs> on this particular suit. So kind of cool. Number 12, Applebee's. Now, Jason, Applebee's is actually owned by the same company that owns IHOP. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. We like IHOP. We like Applebee's. Applebee's is just kind of a cool, casual dining sort of thing. There's a lot of different uh, items on the menu, and there's not a ton of these stores across the country. I know there's one that's that's kind of local to us, just a few miles down the road that my wife and I like to eat at, usually when we go to the movie theater right next to it. But the, the food there has always kind of been really consistent for me. So I'm a fan of, of Applebee's, and apparently they have really strong, good working conditions as well. The company has routinely uh, been voted 
as a stellar workplace receiving Forbes Best Managed Companies Award and also Hospitality Magazine's Chain of the Year. So have, wow, have you ever been to cool. uh, oh, yeah. Applebee's? Yeah, we go to Applebee's maybe every couple months. And uh, I mean, every time that I've ever been there, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's always really good food, good atmosphere. It's and consistent. It's consistent. And when I think of like casual family dining, Applebee's is really the first thing that kind of pops into my mind because they kind of have a, a variety on the menu. Right. And it's, it's a good, solid place. Yeah. It also made my top 10. Yeah, I like it. Number 11, McDonald's. Shannon McDonald's uh, coming in at number 11. That doesn't surprise me in terms of favorite restaurants. If the question had been, which restaurants do you go the most to? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think McDonald's would have been top three probably easily. Uh, But in terms of just overall favorites, uh, it's at number 11. It wasn't my top 10. I go to McDonald's probably four to five days a week for breakfast. I really don't eat McDonald's for lunch. I really don't eat it for dinner. But I will have a sausage biscuit and a large Diet Coke. They do Diet Coke better than any other restaurant. Yeah, and you're not alone. Every time I've ever been to McDonald's for breakfast especially, I mean, the drive through is wrapped around the building. Yeah, I love breakfast. Everybody there. goes there. It, it's wild how popular their breakfast is because – you know, you can see the, the restaurant sitting right across the street, you know, the Dairy Queens, the Hardee's, all these. They're serving the, pretty much the exact same menu items, but there's just something about a McDonald's biscuit, man. People love it. It is, yeah. Yeah. So, Jason, the first McDonald's drive through was developed in 1975 in Arizona. Uh, the restaurant was located near a military base whenever they developed this drive through and soldiers were not allowed to leave their cars while wearing their military uniforms, and that's why the drive through was invented. So, you no can, way. You, yeah, so you can thank that little shop in Arizona who were trying to serve the military folks. That's why you can go get your sausage biscuit for out of you know four days a week. Well, God bless America. <laughs> Number ten, Pizza Hut. Jason, the thing I remember most about Pizza Hut is sort of the smells. When you walk in, you can just, you know, there's a familiar smell there of the cheese, the sauce, the Parmesan. The yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm getting hungry just, just thinking about it. It's just kind of a, an old familiar smell to me. And they all seem to have that exact same smell. And I don't know if it's because they're all sort of inside of this brick building, you know, and that somehow lends itself to whatever aromas are going on in there. But a lot of people are a fan of this smell, and so much so that in 2012, it was announced that Pizza Hut had plans to release a limited edition perfume that smelled like fresh dough with a bit of spice. So Valentine's Day, (laughs) it's right around the corner. How how are you feeling about picking this up for your wife? Plans have changed. This is a game changer right here. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get her a dozen roses and some scent old Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh man! I may have to disguise it as like you know like wrap it up with something else, sure. but just make sure that that's what's in it. Yeah, and uh, it, that works for me. I tell you, there's nothing she could spray on there that I would like better than, than to smell a Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh man, it's it's awesome. So 100 fans of the Pizza Hut Canada Facebook page won bottles of this scent. And it was packaged in a miniature pizza box, and it was shipped out to them. And I don't know if this was tongue-in-cheek or something that was, like, taken as a joke or if people really wanted to smell like pizza. <laughs> it's beautiful is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just didn't understand it. I, I didn't know. I mean, I get it to some degree. Well, I don't. But but I right. get the, the, the smell itself. It's something that, you know, it's— <laughs> 
it reminds me of like being a kid and being part of like the right. Book It Club. Do you remember oh, some of that stuff? Book It was awesome. That's the only reason I can read today. Is <laughs> because of, thank you, Pizza Hut. Is <laughs> because of the uh, the personal pizzas that I would oh, yeah. get. Yeah, yeah. I, my my grade level shut up quickly when I found out I could go to Pizza Hut and and get a uh, small cheese pizza. That's awesome. You know, I, I mean, I, obviously, I mean, you know, all jokes aside, I love pizza. I don't. I don't necessarily care for for Pizza Hut's pizza if it's like fifteen or twenty minutes and you bring it home. I mean, uh-huh. it, it's good, you know. Right. But it is great directly out of the oven onto the table. I mean, when you're actually when you're actually at the restaurant, to me, it has an entirely different taste if you can eat it in the first three to five minutes when it comes out of the oven, as opposed to like twenty minutes later. Man, that's so interesting you said that because I have the exact opposite feeling. Do you really? I do. You yeah. like it better with a little bit? I like it better. Yeah, it's it's just when it first comes out and I and it, it's good. Either way, right, either yeah. way you slice yeah, it. It's good, it's good. <laughs> it's good, yeah. whatever. But it, it's just it always seems like too hot to me. Like I can't just bite into a fresh Pizza Hut pizza. It's just like scalding molting <laughs> lava cheese. I, I don't know. It's just <laughs> I have to give it some time. <laughs> that's when I know I'm alive. <laughs> Oh, it'll, when I see the steam come out of my it'll mouth. It'll wake you up, sir. It'll wake you up good. Number nine, Arby's. Shannon, uh, like McDonald's, to me, I really like Arby's breakfast. You know, McDonald's, I do the sausage biscuit. Arby's has really good bacon biscuits. I oh, love, yeah, I love, do. I love Arby's bacon biscuits. I like their French toast sticks. Of course, uh, my daughters, they could literally, especially uh, uh, Kennedy, she could live on the uh, chicken sliders. And, of course, Maylee likes the French toast sticks better. But we go to Arby's. Uh, we have one very close to our house. We're probably there either for breakfast or dinner probably four to five times a week, at, oh. at, at least one of us. Yeah, wow. Now, do you all ever enjoy the curly fries when you're there? They're, they're kind of known for the curly fries. Yeah, I'm more of a homestyle uh, fry kind of guy, uh, but uh, Maylee likes curly fries. Yeah. Well, here's something she might be interested in. The world's largest curly fry was 38 inches long, just over three feet, and was found by a customer in February 2013 at an Arby's in Waynesville, North Carolina. Was that intentional or just a magnificent a mistake? A magnificent <laughs> mistake, sir. It just so happened that someone came in on a, a faded morning or faded evening for lunch. They sat down and, you know, their whole day was glorified by this 38 <laughs> Eight-inch, uh, just just piece of grease and potato, geometrically curved piece of uh, curly fry. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know they were like so excited, they just sort of continued to pull that out like a water hose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just kept coming out. I like to imagine that maybe they had a date with them. And have you ever seen Lady and the Tramp? One person just put the fry into their mouth, and then the other one didn't. They just kind of slurped it in. There, there you go. <laughs> Number eight, Sonic. So Jason Sonic is kind of interesting. It's one of the sort of different restaurants that we have on this list. It follows that old drive-in feel, which a lot of restaurants used to have prior to McDonald's and the drive-through and fast food speedy delivery model. Uh, have you been to Sonic very much? Uh, I have. We actually go to Sonic a lot, like in the summer and spring. Not so much in the fall and winter. Uh, we like to sit outside. You know, pretty much at all the Sonics they have tables outside. Oh yeah. And so we go to uh, Oneida, which is very in, in Tennessee, which is very close to where we live. And a lot of times during the spring and summer, we'll go go to Sonic, sit outside, eat, and then go directly across the road to the movies. Uh, Sonic has like 12,000 different drinks. But just as McDonald's does Diet Coke well, Sonic 
the Route 44 Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's what I always get at Sonic, and I love it. So do you keep a list, just sort of an itemized, you know, this is where I can get the best Diet Coke. This is where I can get the best French fry. Do, do you have something like that mentally or physically? It's all upstairs. Keep? Yeah. <laughs> so everywhere you go, you're kind of keeping a mental tally of, man, the, the salt on this fry is, is pretty good. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so here's something interesting about Sonic. Did you know, Jason, that some Sonic locations offer playgrounds, but they're not for children. They offer adult playgrounds featuring things like batting cages and volleyball courts. Are I, you kidding me? I've never seen this in my Where life. Where is that? I couldn't tell you, but I, I think we should take a road trip. I think we should drive up to a Sonic, and I think we should take a few hits around the batting cage and, and maybe you know slurp down a slushy with Pop Rocks. And that would be a good podcast. And, yeah. That would be awesome. That'd be fun. Yeah. We need to do that. Yeah. That's See cool. what this adult playground is all about. And, you know, it may be for adults, but if they don't have a ball pit, it's not playground. <laughs> no. <laughs> Number seven. Outback Steakhouse. Shannon, I love Outback. Again, I love bread. I love Outback's bread. I love the Bloomin' Onion. Uh, but I nearly cut off my index finger <laughs> uh, at an Outback. Did you really? Probably about 15 years ago. Yeah, and that is no lie. I'm pretty sure I saw bone. J- just a sharp <laughs> potato or what? <laughs> I was uh, I was slicing the bread, and, and there were there were several of us at the table. There's like maybe six or eight of us. It was a big party. And uh, I was just sort of talking to them, and I remember kind of looking across the table, and I took my eye off of the, the bread, and I guess I had my finger sort of bent in a, in a oh weird way. Oh, my goodness. And I mean just dun, dun. And I, I jumped up and blood kind of went everywhere and, and it got on their nice thick white towels and <laughs> napkins. And I ran to the bathroom and I'm, I'm certain I needed stitches. And, but I didn't get the stitches for two reasons. Number one, I'm scared to death of a doctor. Right? I just I just don't go to the doctor. And number two, I did not want to leave that bread because it was hot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it just got out of the oven. I, and I knew but, no but one else was, was going to eat it. It was also covered in blood. Because it was tainted with my own blood. So I had to free. I, I, <laughs> did you eat it? I had to free. I ate three-fourths of it. I mean, I kind of took that part off there a little bit. But uh, luckily, I had a. We had just bought some paint, and we had paint stirs in, in the back of our car. So I went. When I was, <laughs> the story just gets better. <laughs> this is no lie. Luckily, <laughs> as fate would have it. Right. So I walked outside. Mindy had some neosporin uh, in her purse. I put some neosporin in right. it. Uh, kind of you know moved my finger i kind of uh, just made it straight and i took a paint stir and i broke it off and i put that as a splint and i duct taped it That's and i went right back in the air and i and i ate that bread like a trooper yeah, what I did. Did. <laughs> now did the staff say anything about this were they concerned at all they they looked said, at, they looked, me, mate <laughs> <laughs> they looked a little concerned you know but uh i told him i said i'm hurt probably worse than you realize <laughs> i said but but it's going to be okay Oh, gosh. <laughs> but I love Outback. We go there you know, probably once every couple of months. Uh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And, of course, it's it's themed around Australia, right? Now, here's something interesting. The three inventors of Outback had never actually been to Australia. And they had a trip that was planned for, quote, research purposes because they thought, <laughs> you know, what is this place really like? But when they got to talking about it, they decided that they didn't want to be influenced by the Australian cuisine because it might derail their mission of providing, quote, American food and Australian fun. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty interesting. Number six, Steak and Shake. Jason, we love Steak and Shake in my house. We we go there. I, I mean... Just because we don't have one in this area, we, we don't go as much as we would probably like to go. But, you know, usually when we're in the area, we, we try to make a trip to a, a steak and shake just because, again, it kind of has that casual dining feel. 
uh, a lot like Applebee's and some of these other restaurants. But the quality of the food is just so consistent. You know, you can't say that for a lot of restaurants. I can go to a McDonald's uh, in this town versus a McDonald's 20 miles away and order the exact same meal and get dramatically different results, different quality, etc. But I can go to just about any steak and shake and feel reasonably confident that the burger I get is going to be pretty good and also the shake. Now, have you been there very much? Oh, yeah. We go we go there probably once every two or three weeks, uh, honestly. Uh, I travel a lot with uh, my daughters with basketball and different things. So we go through a couple of towns that have those. If it's you know uh, here uh, locally, Somerset or London or so forth. And uh, we stop by there quite a bit. And, I, I, again, I love their French fries. And I love the seasoning on their that they have on their table so much so that the last time I was at Steak and Shake they actually Did you get, buy some? No, they gave me a bottle. Oh man. They gave me a bottle on the house because I said this was the best on stuff the on the house. <laughs> so I've been carrying that Our with biggest me. fan has returned. <laughs> So I, so I, I carry that seasoning with me, like in, in the car. So like when I go into a restaurant, I go to McDonald's and I get French fries, but I have steak and shake really? seasoning. Oh yeah, and I'm not high maintenance, but I just do that because I like it. I, Jason, I'm I'm gonna, I might say you are high maintenance a little bit when it comes to your French fries. You are you're a particular guy about your French fries. Anybody who packs around their own seasoning and it's from one restaurant, they're gonna take it to another place. Yeah, you. There's a little maintenance involved there. I actually, I actually know someone that that has a picture, and you think I'm lying, but I don't. That carries a picture of how of how brown they want their toast. Are you kidding? So when they when they order toast at a restaurant, they they just show the picture. This, this is this is how brown I want it. So what's funny about that, though, is that the waiter's not the one preparing it so that they have to sort of mentally remember this picture and go back to the to the back and say to the chef. So it's uh, it's, you know, not really a tree bark brown, but, you know, it's it's got a little bit of a, a lacquer look to it. It's a two, little bit. It's two to three shades lighter. <laughs> So here's a cool fact about Steak and Shake. In 2014, they introduced a the 1,330 calorie beef monstrosity to their menu. It was called the Seven by Seven Burger. It sells for seven dollars and seventy seven cents. And the name says it all. It's seven patties stacked on top of each other. And here is an actual quote. The burger, quote, has inspired equal parts reverence and horror from customers. It's <laughs> quote. Wow, what a what that that would represent more beef than I have eaten in my entire life combined. I mean, I just I don't I never eat hamburgers. If I ate that in one sitting, I would eat more. That would be the most I've ever eaten in my entire life combined. Man, they they just must have a, a whole cow in the back and just sort of parted out throughout the day. That is just an insane amount of beef. And and who goes into a restaurant with that mentality that you know what today. Just give me the whole cow. Yeah, I'm tired of, of you know, this one, kind of. This one patty stuff. Yeah, I'm tired of playing around with, with these single patty burgers. It's time today to, to really show the cow industry who the boss is. <laughs> give me that shaker of salt, that seasoning. Bring that bad boy out. That's it. Number five, Taco Bell. Shannon, every time I think Taco Bell, personally, I think softball. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> it's a natural connection. Uh, I coached uh, softball a few years ago, and that's where all the kids would always want to go after the games would be would be to uh, Taco Bell. I love their over the top action kind of 
uh, commercials, you know, that they have. Every time I go, I get a cheese quesadilla and the little cinnamon twists. I, I absolutely love those little cinnamon twists. Great. Yeah. Does your seasoning make an appearance at all at Taco Bell? I not, don't know where you would use it. N- not at Taco Bell, no. Okay. Yeah. So Taco Bell was so popular in the 60s that the Pepsi Cola Company tried to compete with them, and they opened their very own taco business. It was called Taco Kid. And for various reasons, probably the name being a big part of it, they weren't successful at all. (laughs) It just completely bombed out. And when the restaurant failed, Pepsi bought Taco Bell for $130 million. And they own it. I had no idea. I did not know that either. Yeah, kind of cool. That's that's cool. That's cool. Number four, Wendy's. So, Jason, uh, Wendy's was actually named after the founder, Dave Thomas's daughter. Did you know about this? I did. Yeah. And and you, you can think of the logo and the pigtails and the red hair, the blue dress, all that sort of thing. And you can look up an actual picture of Dave Thomas's daughter. It is a likeness. But here's what's interesting. Dave Thomas's daughter is not named Wendy. I did not know that. Yeah. Her name is Melinda Lou. And here's how the name came to be. Melinda Lou had trouble pronouncing her L's and her R's like a lot of little kids do. And she pronounced her own name, Melinda, like Winda. And this became her nickname. They started calling her Winda. And it was later adopted into Wendy's by Dave Thomas. So kind of cool historical fact there. That's that's pretty cool. One of the things that uh, I think of when I think of Wendy's is is the chili. That a yeah. lot of restaurants just don't have chili. Like right. Fast food restaurants. I think that's one sort of unique item. They have the market that, cornered there. Yeah, that, that they have. That. And, of course, they had the Frosties. Those I love are, the Frosties. Those are awesome. Those are just, just different enough than everything else that they're really good. And their fry game's not bad either. Well, you would know. <laughs> fries are pretty I'm good. I'm going to trust you on that one. So do you have to apply the, the seasoning to these fries, or do they just kind of oh, make the grade a no, little bit? No, everything gets the seasoning. Okay. <laughs> Nothing's good enough. No, everything okay. is going to get the, the steak and shake seasoning. <laughs> That's awesome. Number three, Texas Roadhouse. All right, Texas Roadhouse is easily one of my favorites. I absolutely love their rolls. Uh, I would put Outback's bread but their yeast rolls up against each other, and I just don't know who would win. That's tough. I would probably err on Texas there. We love Texas at my house. Yeah, I, over the last few years, I think I would also lean more Texas because of the butter. The butter. The That's butter. What I was the, say. the butter's unbelievable. Uh, they don't have a blooming onion. They have a cactus blossom. That's right. It's it's within the ballpark. It's just a little bit different. It's a little bit different. It's probably ninety percent. I, I think I like the blooming onion a little bit better, but I actually think I like Texas Roadhouse rolls. Uh, a little better. It's reasonably priced and underrated catfish there. Really? Underrated catfish. Catfish is pretty good. Are you a big seafood fan? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll eat some every once in a while. The thing I like most about Texas Roadhouse is it is super loud. And, and you wouldn't think, well, that's something to like about a restaurant. But when you have three children under four years old, super loud is is very appealing. It takes that, the that pressure off. <laughs> they need to market that. They really do. They, they need to have a commercial and just say, you know, our restaurant is about, you know, 12 decibels louder than, than your average restaurant. And I would I would use that information and probably give them lots of money. I'd just say, take my money. That sounds amazing. <laughs> That's right. So, so we could come in here and scream. <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. Now, did you know the first Texas Roadhouse uh, wasn't actually opened in Texas? It was opened in Clarksville, Indiana in 1993, and the company is currently based in Louisville, Kentucky. I didn't know that. Yeah, so very close by. Kind of cool. Number two, Cracker Barrel. Jason, Cracker Barrel's everywhere. And and it seems like when you pull off the interstate, it doesn't matter what town you're in, big city, small town, the first thing you're going to see 
is one of these huge billboards for Cracker Barrel. I have no idea what the logo is. Just out of memory, it looks like a, a like an, a man sitting on a barrel. <laughs> I don't know. But we've been there a few times. You ever been to Cracker Barrel? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we go to Cracker Barrel probably about once a month. And it's the only place that you can get a really good meal uh, by a fire. You can determine whether or not you're an ignoramus. Uh, <laughs> you can buy a five-pound candy bar, a woman's dress, and a candle. <laughs> And play checkers all beforehand. That's kind of a rare marketing setup there, a little bit, isn't it? They have a little bit of everything, but they have really good food. But uh, can, can you sit in a rocking chair? That's part of the appeal for me. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I can sit in a rocking chair. Absolutely. Okay. Out front. Oh, yeah. As far as the food goes, normally, <laughs> kind of weird, I usually get pancakes. Really? They have really good pancakes, yep. Any time of day, just pancakes? Any, any time of day, yep. I normally just, just go with the pancakes. So I went on Cracker Barrel's website, and they have a whole page dedicated to stats and uh, statistics in terms of how much they sell, you know, how much jelly they produce, you know, all this sort of thing. But I found one quote that was far more interesting than <laughs> any of the stats that they shared because it struck me as a little bit scary. And here's the quote. It says, we have more than 1,600 billboards across America to remind you we are always near, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of gave me pause a little bit, and I thought, I don't know if I need to be reminded that Cracker Barrel is always near. Like, when I'm sleeping in my bed at night, I could just picture one of these billboards, you know, peeking in the window just to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. Wonder when I'm coming back for some jelly and biscuits, right. you know. We're still here. <laughs> 1,600 billboards. I believe it. I would have thought more. I mean, I, I think I've seen more Cracker Barrel uh, billboards than any other billboard. Oh, yeah. There's oh. just so many. Oh, yeah. They're, they're all over the place. And uh, another thing I like about Cracker Barrel is when you walk in, it's always, you know, hey, welcome to Cracker Barrel. Yeah. You know, there's usually someone there out front kind of manning the the front store, like the, the lobby, you know, type part. And I just, I like everything about Cracker Barrel. I just love it. What's funny about that is uh, every Cracker Barrel I've been to, for whatever reason, the, the thing you just mentioned about, you know, when they welcome welcome you. It's, it's very hospitable. It's very nice. But for whatever reason, they never can get my last name right. So you know how you walk into a restaurant and they ask you your name so that they can sort of page you when it's time. And in Cracker Barrel, you're sort of walking around looking at all the things that they have for sale. So we're doing that. And I always say, you know, Deaton. And I say it just as plain as I did there. Deaton, you know. So it, it never <laughs> fails. So whenever they call my name, it's always like, you know, Denton, party of five, or Eaton, party of five, you know, or Dragon, party of five. I mean, it's just so you have to kind of use the party of five thing, you know, and you have to kind of play off that and you have to do some mental gymnastics before you go up to the hostess and say, you know, were you talking to me? I know you said I, I know you said rabbit party of five, <laughs> but this is a common thing. I just want to make sure, you know, are, are we ready to go? And then they'll say this way, Mr. Rabbit. And we're, we're ready. <laughs> Mr. Rabbit. <laughs> we have your biscuits awaiting. That's right. Do you ever use like a different name? Sometimes I'll just say like. Jules Verne. I would, I'll just, I would love to do that. I'll just say something like whatever, you yeah. know, just to see, just to see if anyway looks see around. See who's on their game. When they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number one, Chick-fil-A. Shannon, Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken. I've heard that. It's pre-blessed. <laughs> it is, it is, it is blessed. And there is something magnificent that they put in that chicken because it will draw people like moths to a flame. <laughs> Anytime that you see a Chick-fil-A open, people will just like try to clear, like jump the ramp off the interstate <laughs> to just somehow land in the middle of the drive through. Right. Yeah. Chick-fil-A 
is just sort of taken the world by storm. It has, and I mean, yeah. and, and it's just it's it's everywhere. You know, there was one that's uh, a new one that recently opened up, and I mean, there was like a 30, 40 minute wait. I mean, just to get up, just to get some chicken nuggets. I mean, people absolutely love it. Again, I like French fries, so I love their waffle fries. They have underrated milkshakes. Oh yeah, uh, at, at at Chick Fil A, Chick Fil A coming in at number one honestly does not surprise me because everybody likes Chick Fil A. They do, and I, I haven't seen a trace of orange chicken there so that may be the key to their success very possibly it may may be so hopefully panda express is taking notes and they see chick-fil-a's number one their chicken is normal colored ours is orange (laughs) so you know maybe we can draw some kind of marketing comparison there and and, you know up our game a little bit but jason chick-fil-a actually invented the chicken sandwich in the 1940s really did you know that i did not know that i love chicken sandwiches they're great and to know that chick-fil-a actually invented the idea now i can't say with any certainty that they're the first person to ever you know put chicken on bread or whatever but they're the first ones to sort of widely market it you know so that was a big deal and you were talking about all of the locations that are opening all the time did you know that every time a new location opens a uh, hundred people get to eat for free for a year i did that was actually uh, one just opened up in somerset yeah. and i know some Someone who who got the card or whatever it is that that got that yeah so yeah, so absolutely. if you're one of the first 100 people in line then you get that free ticket so obviously people from the very get go you know it's not just something that develops over time that's that's a pretty cool marketing strategy people are knocking down the door from the time you get there because they want that free pre blessed Lord's chicken <laughs> that's exactly right and they're so nice. I mean, when you go up there, it's always my pleasure, you know, and that's you're talking about the quality of the food being consistent. It's like the the courtesy that they show you is also consistent. It's wild and very they're very prompt. I mean, they will they will come meet you in the drive through with the iPad. They're taking your order there, you know. So Chick-fil-A, extremely organized, uh, very good organization. It doesn't matter how many times the the cars are wrapped around the building. You can (laughs) confidently go to a Chick-fil-A because you know that they have systems in place that they're going to get you through there and probably half the time you would get oh, through yeah, a normal drive-through. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I yeah. really like Chick-fil-A and it's always super, super busy. So once again, Chick-fil-A takes the uh, top spot in our, uh, I guess, count up. So Shannon, anything else you would like to add? I'm kind of hungry after going through this list. So I'm going to say Texas Roadhouse is, is probably at the top of my list for the next place I would like to visit. What about you? Where are you going after I'm, this? I am going to go to the Pizza House. You mentioned that. I'm going so to stop tonight, by huh? the Pizza House on the way home and then go home and watch some late night West Coast college basketball. Sounds like a fun night. So we wanted to mention a milestone that the podcast has recent, uh, recently crossed. So Jason, as of today, we have over 4,000 downloads. I saw that. On the podcast. That was really cool when you sent me the the, the emblem there yeah. and uh, and told me 4,000. And that's since about the middle of September. So that that's pretty good. And so we're, we are on our way to 5K now. We are. We've had a lot of fun with this, and we appreciate everyone who's gone along for the ride. Uh, we encourage you to share the podcast with others. If you have a friend uh, who's not connected, Connected to the podcast, encourage them to reach out to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle at slapdashpod. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Go eat, everybody. 